It's a Friday edition of the EP Podcast, a Wear Red Friday. Remember, everyone deployed Friday here on the Zone Sports Network. I'm Austin Horton. Thanks for another great week of podcasting. Excuse me. Thanks for tuning in, sharing, subscribing, uh, passing along your feedback. Would love to hear from you anytime. I'm on Twitter, at Austin Horton. You can send me an email, austin.horton at 1280thezone.com, or you can find us on the Facebook Uh, The EP Podcast is the Facebook page. Click it, like it, follow it, send your feedback. We'd love to hear from each and every one of you. Excited to uh, have a Friday edition here for you. Coming up in just a a little bit, I'm going to record an interview for a future Military Monday with Paul Leffler, Fresno State play-by-play and host of Hometown Heroes Radio. Excited about that, so stay tuned. And, uh, of course, as I've mentioned previously, this coming Monday, 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 Jenny Taylor uh, widow of Major Brent Taylor will be on, and uh, you will not want to miss that. So make sure you catch Military Mondays here on the EP Podcast. Got a lot to talk about, lots to do today, a lot of work ahead of me before the big show kicks off, so let's dive right in to the EP Podcast. And we're going to start today with the Mike Conley Horse Championship Run, complete with an appearance from Quinn Snyder, who looked like he was uh, writing a novel at the time. I don't know if he caught this, he probably did. So last night, Mike Conley defeated Chauncey Billups and Zach Levine to claim the inaugural horse tournament championship. Uh, and uh, it was, you know, this thing, uh, my overall thoughts on it was it's something. It's better than not having the horse championship, uh, the horse tournament to watch. It was, as I think, about as well done as you could do it under the circumstances you know, without too much flair or uh, or uh, equipment or or producer or whatever, but it was pretty boring for most of the most of the time. However, it's cool to see your guy, your your uh, your jazz player Mike Conley getting the title. He had that ambidextrous thing going the left and right hand thing. And that's Quinn Snyder made an appearance before the final and gave him some advice and said, "Don't forget about the ambidextrous uh, tools that you've got." But the, the screenshot of Quinn going around the internet was pretty funny because there was a side-by-side of him coaching a game and he just he looked so he was all sweaty and, and, and ragged and uh, like he'd been you know lifting weights in a three-piece suit for an hour and a half and just looked exhausted and, and, uh, and tired and mad. Then you see off-season Quinn and he looks so refreshed and rested and is and energized and he's got these uh these novel writer glasses, these author glasses he's wearing. He honestly looked like a guy who was writing the next Stephen King novel, uh, but then took a moment to say what's up to Mike Conley before his championship uh, round with with the horse tournament. Pretty cool, pretty exciting for Jazz fans to have NBA basketball. Yes, I guess. I mean, uh, with their NBA players and WNBA players and Hall of Famers that partook in this. Uh, but uh, it's not the same, but it's something. And then to see your guy not only participate, but win the whole thing, pretty pretty darn cool. Uh, Conley also, uh, while we're on the subject of Mike Conley, uh, stay tuned throughout the zone today on Friday. He's got availability coming up this afternoon, uh, and we'll be sure to play those comments for you. Conley also, after uh, the thing was done and over with and he did his post-game, post-tournament uh, media session, he addressed the Rudy Gobert Donovan Mitchell strife that's been reported by so many for over a week or two now, and uh, this is what he had to say about the situation. 
You were voted NBA Teammate of the Year in 2019. I won't put anybody's business in the street, but do you have things straight between Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell now? <laughs> oh, man, they're fine. Uh, they're fine. They, they, uh, they're competitors. They want to win. Um, our team chemistry has been as solid as ever. Um, and I'm excited to get, you know, hopefully get back out there soon um, once this um, thing gets, mm -hmm. gets uh, under control and um, we're able to, to, to resume. And, and I think the guys will be excited to be around each other again and just, you know, kind of get that breath, breath of fresh air to, to start over and, um, you know, have a, have a chance at winning a championship. There's been some that are uh, not pleased or, or satisfied. You hear those comments from Mike Conley, and that's that – that gives you some warm fuzzies about the Jazz, and he's really good at a, as a leader and saying, oh, things are all right, we're going to be okay. You heard Rudy Gobert comment on Instagram with Taylor Rooks over the weekend that he and Donovan have spoken, and they've buried things, and they're going to move forward. Not a lot of people too satisfied with how Donovan Mitchell has addressed it, making just a short, brief comment on Instagram Live with rapper Fat Joe, uh, where he essentially said, we're done. We're moving forward. We're ready to go play ball. So but there, there's, there's always. I think there's going. And I honestly, I think that's going to be it. I think this is it. I don't think that's going to uh, need any further comment. There isn't going to be any further comment offered. I don't anticipate anyway there being any further comment. And so people are going to have to live with this being uh, the what the response they get from Donovan Mitchell is just that moment with Fat Joe. Now, come around next time the media is around. Could be a long time. But the next time media is around and sticking microphones in his face, might get a couple questions about it. But we'll we'll have to wait and and see then. But for now, I think that's it. You heard what Rudy had to say about the matter. You heard what Donovan kind of had to say with Fat Rapper, Fat Rapper, Fat Rapper Fat Joe, and uh, now you've heard what Mike Conley uh, had to has to say about it. And that's going to do it. Uh, Rudy and Donovan, they're ready to not be best friends, but they're uh, ready to be uh, sync, synced up on the basketball court and basketball-minded, and I think that that's good news for the Utah Jazz. Mike Conley was also asked by uh, John Anderson, host of SportsCenter after that horse competition, what kind of conditions it's going to take for players to feel safe once again to resume basketball play. Yeah, first year in Utah, the team, the Jazz are ascending, but what conditions do you need in place to feel comfortable? Uh, as a player to go out there and start start on the uh, on the season again. Well, I think you know, number one, guys just want to know um, that we're you know all the precautions are taken that that we're going to be safe. You know, we don't we don't want to put our families in jeopardy. We don't want to put anybody else in jeopardy. And I think if that's taken care of and and um, and everything else is taken care of, I think we'll 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 you know guys will be ready to play. And then uh, I know guys are itching to get out there now. There you go. A few comments from the. Inaugural horse tournament champion, Mike Conley, right here on the EP podcast, courtesy of SportsCenter, of course. All right, a bit of a sad news. Roy Halladay, former Phillies pitcher and baseball great, had the, the no-hitter. I think it was a perfect game, actually, in his career. And, of course, he, uh, in the last couple of years, passed away tragically in a plane accident. Well, his toxicology report uh, came out and was made public, said he had uh, higher... Uh, levels of methamphetamine in his uh, blood than would have been uh, for a therapy therapeutic reason. He had other uh, toxicology uh, findings in there, and the uh, NTSA said that he was flying erratically, trying to do stunts and loop the loops and fly five feet from the ground before his plane crashed and took his life. 
look, his wife, uh, I think her name's Brandy, said at the time of his death, everyone's got their demons, everyone's got their skeletons in their closet, and he and their family is no different, and asked for respect then. So she didn't, you know, come out and say, I know that this stuff was going on. I know he was probably not doing the right thing when he died. But she essentially said it probably was. So let us have our grieving, have our mourning, and just understand that he lost his life. And the reasons why he lost his life, whether they were careless, reckless, or just bad luck, don't matter to the family. He's gone. And I'm really saddened to see that he's being brought back up into the public eye like this. And she issued a statement through the Phillies PR team yesterday, essentially saying, by doing this, we ask for peaceful people to respect that we need to have peace with this because it's bringing up all those bad things again uh, and in a worse way. So my, my heart goes out to the Holiday family. Uh, he may not have been the most responsible person. He may have been doing things that uh, are ill-advised and I would never do myself. But that does not mean that it lessens the sting of, of missing him or his absence or his death with his family and loved ones. So heart and prayers go out to the holiday family today. CBSSports.com's Tom Fornelli has issued his latest mock draft, and he joined the big show on Thursday. And I wanted to play these bites uh, in their entirety for you. Jake and Gordon first asked them about uh, uh uh, Jordan Love and where he's going to go in the draft. Before I get to that, though, in his mock draft, Fornelli has Joe Burrow going first overall to the Cincinnati Bengals. I think that's the unanimous opinion around the around the league among pundits and GMs and media. But he, he has the Lions trading their pick to the Dolphins at two and the uh, Jaguars moving up to three so that uh, the Dolphins will take uh, I believe he had uh, Justin Herbert going to the Miami Dolphins and Tua Tagovailoa going three to the Jaguars. Uh, he thinks that Gardner Minshew is not the long-term plan there in Jacksonville and that they would take a runner on the hip injury of Tua Tagovailoa. Well, that makes Jordan Love then the fourth quarterback off the board. He says he'd go, he's got him slotted to go 22nd overall to the Chargers, but here's his evaluation of the Utah State quarterback and why he thinks he would be better served to not start right away in the NFL. What's your evaluation of Utah State's Jordan Love? I think there is a lot there to like. And I think that if you saw from the way he you know played a couple years ago, you saw glimpses of what he can be. He's got the big arm. He's very athletic. He can move. But he's not like, you know, he's a dual threat quarterback, but he's not the dual threat that is a run first. He is a guy that can pass the ball. And if there's nothing there and he has to run, then he could take off and get yards that way, which is what you generally prefer from your dual threat. You don't really want a run first guy. You want a guy who can, you know, run your passing offense. My concern with Jordan Love is we hear things you know, like if depending on how you feel about him you could talk yourself into a lot of different things like he did not play well last year at Utah State his, his final season and you've seen things like saying well he didn't have the ton, he didn't have a bunch of good talent around him and his teammates let him down but at the same time when we talk about great quarterbacks like one of the things you always hear about you know the, the Tom Brady's of the world the Peyton Manning's is that they made their teammates better so which is it? Is it do you, or is a great quarterback somebody who makes his teammates better, or can we then go to the excuse of, well, he didn't have great players around him, so it kind of impacted. So when I look at Jordan Love, 
I see all the tools, the skill set. I see everything that a team can dream on for what he can be. It's just I don't know if I'm drafting Jordan Love for somebody who I think can start for me right away. I think that he needs to go to the right situation where if he can get to a team where he's allowed to maybe sit for a year and pick up the offense and not be pressured to start and be the guy right away, and he's with a smart offense, a smart coach, guys who can help you know mold quarterbacks, I think he has the talent and the ability to be a very good top-notch NFL quarterback. It's just I think there's still a long way to go between where he is now to that point. So it's going to depend on the situation for him where he lands, but I, if I – if I'm him, I'm hoping that I get to be, you know, with with a team that has an established starter who would hope to mold me for a year or two away from being the starting guy myself. There you go. Tom Fernelli's thoughts on Jordan Love's NFL prospects as the draft looms next week. And not to be uh, uh, moved past too quickly, Utah cornerback Jalen Johnson leaving after his junior season with the Utes. Where does Tom Fernelli uh, foresee his NFL future beginning? Tom, the University of Utah had a really good defense this past year, and they're expecting to have a bunch of players drafted this year, headlined by corner Jalen Johnson. Uh, What do you think about him, and can he expect to be a first-day, second-day guy? What are you thinking? I think, I mean, if he falls to the the Vikings, and they have their two picks, if he's still there on the board for them at 25, I think he's going to be a Viking. I just look at him, and I look at his style of play, and he has everything that the Vikings love in their cornerbacks. He's got length, he's physical, and if you look at every single cornerback, Mike Zimmer, throughout his coaching career, when he was a defensive coordinator and now becoming a head coach of the Vikings, those are the things he loves in corners. He likes guys who can be physical at the line of scrimmage, who can make tackles, help out in the run game, but he also likes length because, you know, obviously when you're covering receivers, having long, being tall or having long arms and legs, that's half the battle because then you can get in front of the pass as long as you keep at the receiver. So when I just look at him and the way he plays, his build, his athleticism, his strength, he just screams Minnesota Viking quarterback to me. So I think that if he's there, the Vikings have the two first-round picks now. I don't think I don't know if they will take him with the first one, but I think that if he's still on the board for the second one, he's definitely going to end up going to Minnesota. It just makes too much sense to me. So a couple local guys, Jordan Love at 22 to the Chargers, Jalen Johnson at 25 to the Vikes, according to Tom Fornelli of CBSSports.com. One thing's for sure, I've never really been a huge NFL draft guy. I'm going to be this year because it's something. It's sports, and I'm so excited for it. All right, final little snippet here for you today. Former Jazz man Trevor Booker, he only played two seasons with Utah Jazz. He averaged I something around six points a game, came off the bench, made seven total starts in two seasons with the team. But it has such a uh, carved out such a uh, soft spot in so many Jazz fans' hearts during his time here in Utah that when he announced his retirement this week, I thought for sure we had to try and get him on the station. And lo and behold, he, he said he'd come on on Wednesday, but he got sick. We rescheduled for Thursday and grateful that he was able to join us uh, in the 5 o'clock hour on Thursday on the big show. Just wanted to play a, a, a bite or two, actually, that he shared with the big show. First of all, his thoughts on Quinn Snyder as a head coach, which uh, it's interesting to think about all the coaches he's had. Here's what he had to say about Quinn Snyder. Trevor Booker is with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, what was it like playing for Quinn Snyder? Uh, Quinn is great. You know, we still keep in touch to this day. Um, he's definitely the, the smartest coach and my favorite coach uh, that I've, you know, played for. 
Um, you know, he's such a detailed coach, and I think that's what's missing from the game these days. You know, uh, you know, coaches, trainers, they, they aren't detailed. Uh, they give everything in a, in a broad spe- uh, spectrum. Uh, and Quinn, you know, he takes the time out to, you know, really explain and break down everything, you know, that he's thinking, um, you know, <clears throat> on the court, just so we can see it from his perspective. And uh, that goes a long way, you know, especially with younger players, you know, just learning the game. And, you know, Coach Q does a great job of, you know, really helping them out and, you know, also helping the veterans out because a lot of the veterans that come to the team, you know, haven't been, you know, uh, coached that way, that detail. Uh, so he's actually, you know, showing them, you know, some new things. And I'm sure, you know, that some of the veteran players that came to the team, you know, can attest to that. You know, a guy like Trevor Brooker who's been in the NBA has got a long list of coaches that he's played for. And I'm not saying he's not saying he doesn't like any of them. But to say that Quinn's the best and smartest that he's played for, that's a ringing endorsement for the Utah Jazz head coach. And then, of course, we had to ask him at my coaxing, Jake Scott asked him if he had spoken to Ennis Cantor of late. Trevor Booker is with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Trevor, you had uh, one of the best lines ever, I thought, after the Jazz traded Ennis Cantor and uh, you guys played him again. And, uh, you, you know, the gist of your comment was he got his stats but took an L as usual. You ever talk to Ennis after that? <laughs> no, I've never, you know, talked to him. I, I said, what up? Uh, you know, playing against each other. You know, every time we played against each other, you know, we spoke or whatnot. There's no bad blood there. Uh, you know, I was just uh, disappointed in this comment, so I, I stood up for the team, you know. The reason that soundbite's funny, for those that may not know, uh, after Cantor, quote-unquote, forced his way out of Utah via trade, he played for the Thunder, and uh, when he returned to Utah, he ran his mouth a little bit and did the WWE bring it on signs. And his Cantor's a showman. And the, the Thunder lost. And his Cantor had some good stats, but the Thunder lost. And Trevor Booker, after the game and his walk-off interview, uh, threw a little shade, respectfully, not not anything derogatory, but threw a little shade in his way and said he got his stats, but as always, he got the L. So <laughs> we wanted to ask him about that. Trevor Booker, a good dude. And a funny story about Trevor Booker and me. Uh, one of his final games with the Utah Jazz, I was working the sidelines uh, for the radio broadcast, and he went back to the locker room with what appeared to be some kind of injury. And so I was back there waiting by the locker room to get word, and he came out uh, from the locker room and was headed back to the court, and a couple of us were standing there and asked, hey, you all right, Book? What's going on? And he said, no, I'm good. I'm all right. And he started to run away. And I don't to this moment know exactly why I said this. I think I had just been texting my wife or something, and I was like, all right, love you, Book. And immediately was like, what? No. It's like when you leave that voicemail. And and you for your boss, and you accidentally say, "Okay, love you, talk to you tomorrow, whatever." And you're like, "No, it's just habit." And he he paused as he was running back towards the tunnel, and he looked over his shoulder at me, went, "Love you too, bro," and then ran back onto the court. It was so awkward, and I didn't have it in me to ask Trevor here if he remembered that moment when he joined the big show, but pretty funny nonetheless. It's going to do it for a Friday, Wear Red Friday edition of the EP podcast. Make sure to catch me on Monday. Got Jenny Taylor uh, for a Military Monday visit. Very, very excited for that. Uh, make sure you've got your calendars and alarms set for Monday to make sure you catch that edition of the EP podcast. Have a good weekend, and as always, be good to each other. Time now for the laugh of the day. <laughs> this is a good Samaritan. The Samaritan. So you're just uh, out story. there on your you're own. You're just having time? a good time, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <It's> out there. <laughs>
That's awesome. Just a good Samaritan. <laughs> you know that story? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 They probably, they probably ran me that story. Who? Because Vinny Hawk. <laughs> the Good Samaritan? No, I heard that story like at least five times since I've been here. <laughs> like, I know that story like the back of my hand. Can you share it? All right, I got this. All, All right, right, here we go. Snap, I don't got this. I don't know. <laughs> What's his name? Uh, I don't know the, the, the type. Shoot. All right, how it go? What's the dude walking by? No, no, no. What's the dude on the floor? I don't. You're oh, that was on the ground. Yeah. Uh, a Nephi, a parasite. No, no, not a parasite, not a Nephi. Um, uh, I'm gonna put this in my. All right. So, okay. So this is a blood. You know, bloods and crypt. Yeah. Right. Okay. These are bloods. All right. So he a blood on the floor. <laughs> And a crib walking by, and you know, like, no, no, no. There's like two cribs walk by. They like, oh, he a blood. We don't mess with him. Walk by, right? Is this how Bronco told it? No, no, no. I'm putting it in my words because I don't. I, I don't. Oh, this is the greatest thing I've ever been a part of. I don't know the thing. Wait, I'm trying okay. to get it. No, no, I'm sorry. Keep going. So two blood walk by. They like, oh, he. I mean, crib. Two cribs walk by. He like, oh. and the crib's on the ground. No, 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 no. The, the blood's blood on the ground. Oh, blood's on the ground. Crib look at him like, oh, he a blood. We don't mess with him. Uh. Then one crib come by. He like, oh. This dude was on the floor. I don't see him as a blood, but I see him as a good uh, man on the floor. So he takes him, <laughs> he takes him to like a barn or something, right? Uh, and he gets on food, gets on some water. Uh-huh. Then he give him a donkey. No. A donkey? No, 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 no. Nah, he did something. I forgot. He paid for it. He, he, he gave him a hotel room, yeah, paid yeah, everything yeah. for him. Gave, gave him some extra money. Yeah, yeah, gave him some money. And then he left or the dude? Left? He left the dude there. Oh, yeah, he left the dude there. That was the Samaritan. <laughs> I hope I, I hope I didn't lose you. You know what? I feel a little closer to the big man upstairs after hearing that. Thank you. I could just see Bronco. I, five, I could huh? see Bronco in a team meeting. Let me tell you about this story, Good Samaritan. Two cribs walking by blood on. <laughs> That's exactly how you said it. That's how I got it in my head. Uh, 